All right, so <clears throat> we're, we're starting a new series. As you can tell, that was not Genesis, if you're curious. Uh, and uh, we're going to be starting Romans in four weeks. Uh, but we're talking about Romans today because we, we're having a little mini-series called The Practices of the Church. So we're going to do four weeks that are talking about uh, different things about uh, Walnut Creek, about who we are. And you know, if you, if you ever step back and ask yourself, what does a church do? Like, why is church important? Why does it exist? What matters to the church? Uh, what's the church's mission? Uh, hopefully you have wondered some of those things. And it's an important question because there's lots of churches that do a lot of different things. And many are good and right. And some are wrong and unhelpful. And so we decided we'd take this short break from Genesis, between Genesis and Romans, to talk about just a few practices of the church. And there are lots of things we could talk about, lots of practices that are important. Uh, we've chosen four. So we're going to talk about baptism, communion, uh, membership, and then how that all relates to the, to the mission of the church, what we're trying to do as a church, how it all ties together. So that's the next four weeks. This first week, we're talking about baptism with that base text from Romans uh, chapter 6. But the overarching text, so like the theme text for these next four weeks, is really going to be the Great Commission. So that is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus, he's just been crucified. He's risen from the dead. And so this is that little window, these little 40 days when he's going around, he's teaching his disciples, he's teaching others about what's, what's next. Like, what did I mean before and what, what could we be looking forward to? And so one thing he does, he clarifies, I've got this great mission for you. I'm going to commission you. I'm going to send you out. And it's not just for you, but it'll be for the disciples after you. It's for all people. Really, it's for us. So Jesus, he gives this commission to help us to understand what does he say to do? Go. Okay, go do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he says, go and tell everybody in the world about me, about my good news. See them baptized, and then I have this promise for you. I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. So we don't go alone. This isn't, this isn't a, a lone show. God is with us at a minimum, not to mention uh, brothers and sisters in Christ as well. So this is what he tells his disciples. And so we should talk about what is baptism? What is he calling them into? What, is, what does he mean here? And so to do that, we're going to look at four primary questions about baptism, four aspects of baptism. So the first question is, what is the meaning behind baptism? Why is baptism significant? So what's the meaning behind baptism? And I think many are confused on the purpose of baptism uh, because many people believe baptism is necessary for salvation. So if you start in the spot where you think it must be, and I get why that is confusing, because if you look at just a few texts or you look at things out of the context of the whole picture or the whole word of God, it's easy to come to that place where you say, therefore, you have to be baptized to be saved. Um, but I think the strongest counter-argument to that is, is simply looking at Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Ephesians 2.8, it says, For you are saved by grace through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's God's gift, not by works that no one can boast. He says, if there's a way for you to get to heaven apart from the grace of God, then you're going to think that you earned it, that you deserve to be here. He says, no, no, that's not the case. It's only a gift. It's only something that I can offer to you. And so we're saved by grace through faith, by the work of Jesus on the cross. This is our great and our only hope. 
It's not in baptism. So the key thought is that baptism is a picture showing what God did for you and what happened uh, to you when he saved you. So it is a picture. It is, it is a symbol. So it doesn't save. It's to symbolize what's happened in Christ. And so we go to Romans 6 because Romans 6 is, is this beautiful picture of what spiritually happens when we get renewed, uh, what happens inside us. And then it, it even shows us how uh, baptism, so we see how baptism fits into the thing that God is doing. And so we're looking at Romans 6 to help us to understand. And so Paul, he writes Romans 6, and he says, hey, listen, people are believing some bad things. I, should, I need to kind of redirect, uh, more than redirect. So here's what he says in Romans 6. He says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sins that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? He's like, he's like of course not. Should we, keep, should we sin more? Because if we sin more, it shows how great God's grace is. Like, he could even forgive that. Like, isn't he amazing? Paul's like, that's terrible. <laughs> that's not who you were. Why is that not who you are? Because you're dead to sin. That's, that's no longer the case. Um, so we're dead to sin. This is, this is the picture. This isn't, that's who you were, but it's not who you are. And then he goes on. He says, are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? And so he begins to show us the significant meaning of baptism in Jesus, saying you're, you're dead to that. That old sin life that you had before, that's no longer who you are. And then he continues in verse 4 and 5. Therefore we who are buried with him in baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the new way of life. If we've been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we'll certainly also be joined in the likeness of his resurrection. Um, Pastor Aiden, Aiden Rogers, he talked about how this passage in Romans, it's like the biography of a Christian. And I love that, that picture, that image. So we're going to use that as we talk about this as it relates to baptism. Because you have your old life, your present, present life, and then what you're looking forward to all tied up in this text. So the biography of the Christian life, he starts out with our past. We've been buried with Christ. You've been buried with Christ. Is therefore we who are buried with him are buried with him by baptism into death. And so Paul, he spent some time in Romans building up to this point, and he's trying to explain that by faith, you're buried into Christ. And uh, remember, so this is like, this is a symbol, this is a picture, this is, a, this is something that we're, we're, that's meant to point, point us to help us to understand. So we were dead in sin, but then once you're a Christian, you're dead to sin. So before, we were condemned because of our sin, but now, just like Christ has been buried we too get buried with Christ. The old John goes under the water, dead by faith. And so we're buried into this thing. And so the picture is we go into the water with the hope that we're going to come out. Uh, and there's a great hope in this because even in Jesus' death, you think about the, the gospel message, what's happening in the gospel uh, is that Jesus, he dies for sin and he, he, he takes the penalty that we deserve and he sets us free from the sin, free from sin, free con- from the penalty of sin, from the condemnation because of our sin. And so when you think about the death of Christ, we tie ourselves to that death. We say, oh, he's paid for it. Old John is going to go under, just like Christ had to die on the cross. And so we have this symbol. Our old self goes under. And because of that, we have this great hope that death is no longer going to have the penalty it had before because of the second aspect of the biography of our life. Um, But we see that in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Now the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so because of Jesus' death, we have victory over the law. We don't have to be afraid of death anymore, afraid of sin, the consequences of sin either. And so the first aspect of baptism is that our old self is going down. And then we have the present. We have the new life in Christ. So we go down in the water, but we don't stay down in the water. Uh, Jesus, he was, he was dead and buried for three days. And JC and I had been talking. We thought if we want to increase the symbolism, we're thinking that we might start holding people for three minutes. Just get it, make sure they're down, and then um, come back and really feel new life. Like really experience, um, start your training. But baptism really is. We come out of the water, and the picture is old self is gone. This new self comes up out of the water. It's a wonderful and glorious thing. It says, therefore, we were buried of him at baptism to death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. We have a new life in Christ, and we get to walk in this new way. We have an opportunity, and we want to. We have a new desire. We've been restored. My surrendered life went under, but I had this new life in Christ, and now I get to walk with him and in him. I'm a new creation. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, anyone who's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Because we're in Christ, we're made new. Given the Holy Spirit to empower us. So we have this beautiful symbol of our old self, our new self, and then because of that, we get to look forward. Death has no longer has its sting to our eternity with the Father. So the future, we're resurrected with Christ. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That one day we're going to pass from this life to the next. We look forward to being with Christ, resurrected in our new body. So he's going to set up a new heavens, a new earth, and we're going to get a new and resurrected body. Philippians 3, 20, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject to subject everything to himself. Uh, so we get this new body. And I don't know about you, but I think that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds great. Some of you have been hitting the gym lately. You're like, I don't know. But uh, eventually you're going to be like, double thumbs up, God, come back. I'm ready for you. Um, and so baptism is a picture this day, that we're down, we're out, and we're looking forward to how it's going to be in the future. And it's going to remind us. And so in this, in this symbol, symbolic action, what we're doing is we're also identifying with Christ. We're saying he's the, we're not being baptized into repentance. That's what John the Baptist talked about before Christ. So there is a different symbolism. Now we're baptized into Christ, into his death and his resurrection. We're saying, I'm with Christ. And so we remember, uh, Pastor Aiden Raj, he's talking about baptism. This is what he said. He said, it's, constantly, it's to constantly remind us of the gospel, to constantly make real to us what happens when we get saved. So if you need a reminder, what is the gospel? Think about baptism. Listen to someone who gets baptized. Understand what has happened. Okay, so that's, <clears throat> that's the why. Who should get baptized? What is the prerequisite? Who should get baptized? And there could be confusion here, too, when it comes to who should be baptized. I, I don't think this is mostly because the Bible is unclear. I think it's more because there have been traditions that have been perpetuated over time. Um, and misapplications of passages of Scripture. And I think there's things like, like that we do in church that are traditions that are actually not Scripture, but we just kind of begin to assume that's how it is and make it a thing. And that has happened, I think, often with baptism. That's not always why, but often. Uh, so Peter, let's look at Acts. Let's look at the example that we do have of who should get baptized. Acts chapter 2. So this is 
Um, Peter, he begins preaching. He's preaching to all these people. The Holy Spirit's arrived. It's Pentecost. It's awesome. And, he, and this is the message he gives. At the end of his message, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they came under deep conviction and said to Peter and the rest of the, um, and the, rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? Repent. Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, and for your children, and for all who are far off, or I'm sorry, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted the message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Well, this is awesome. So he shares to the crowd. He's like, hey, you guys killed Christ. And we can relate to that too because the reason Jesus had to die was because of sin. Uh, I sin. Jesus had to die for that. He chose to die. And so he says, the people, Peter, he preaches. He's like, listen, it was because it was of you that he went to the cross. And there's probably a little more literal sense there, like they're around that what's happening to Jesus. They might have even been there. But it's because of you Jesus died. They're convicted. Oh, how should I respond? He says, repent. Repent and be baptized. But then we're given more detail in verse 41. Who were who those who were baptized? It says that it was those who accepted the message. So the ones who, who heard and received the message, they were then the ones who were baptized. So the key thought number two is that baptism is to be practiced by those who've repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's practiced by those who've repented of their sin and trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And as you study, uh, when baptism take place, takes place in the Bible, you're going to find the prerequisite to baptism, the, the pattern, the pattern you're going to see again and again and again, is someone, they hear the message, and they respond. So they've heard, they understood, and they respond. So there's a cognitive understanding uh, of rebellion towards God and their need for Christ. Uh, in other words, when someone's inf- baptized as an infant and they believe it's salv- salvific, that it leads to salvation, uh, what they're saying is, is that we can impart the grace of God to this baby. But we don't see that example. Now, there are some, some who believe uh, a little bit different where they're saying they're part of this covenant, and I think that's a different aspect than what I'm talking about. But when someone believes in salvation, they're saying this baby gets it. It's like, no, we don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. So where does someone get this idea that, that babies should be baptized for salvation? Well, there's a couple places where it alludes to, where there's a um, inferred, where it talks about someone gets saved, they hear the message, they get saved, and it says their household was baptized. So they're saying, well, there must have been little kids in that household, of course, um, but in the same vein, you could say, or they were old enough to understand, and they shared the good news with them, and they were saved. So we don't know, we don't know with certainty, but there is no example of, of infant baptism in the New Testament. Uh, so in Acts 10, we're getting another example of this. Uh, so they accept the message, they're baptized. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The, circumcision, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Gentiles also. For they heard them speaking the other languages and declaring the greatness of God. Then Peter responded, can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to stay for a few days. So what's the flow? What's the pattern? What happens? They hear the message, they, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, this is good for us to understand because when you believe what Jesus did on the cross, when, like, when you hear the gospel, the good news, and you believe it, the moment you believe, you're marked with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're, you have, um, you've been immersed. You are, um, and so it talks about this in Ephesians chapter 1. So we have that 1.13. Uh, it says, uh, When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you, also, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Um, he is the down payment of your inheritance, the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. So the moment you believe, the moment you hear it and you believe, he says he gives you the Holy Spirit, and it's a seal, it's a mark, promising what's going to come in the future. Uh, and so what we see here is the same thing. They, they have the Holy Spirit, and then they get baptized. He says, I see they have the Spirit. What's preventing them from being baptized? And so this is the general pattern we're going to see again and again in Scripture. Uh, and so it's very important for us just to remember that we don't want to put our hope in a ceremony. We want to put our hope in a Savior. Our hope is not in baptism. Our hope is in Christ. And it doesn't, uh, baptism is super important. It just doesn't save you. Um, I was at a, I, I, I think this can be confusing at times. I was at a funeral and uh, someone, someone is a different church, different denomination. And uh, they, they had, the, you know, funerals are going to have ceremonies often. So like aspects and kind of rituals. And so when they did, they started talking and they talked about this baptism that saves you. But they didn't mean the spiritual baptism, that like the Holy Spirit had entered them. What they meant was like this physical baptism that saved. And I thought it was so interesting because the message given was really good. Like they got up and they talked for a while, and I was like, that was awesome. That part of it was so good. And then again, part of the rituals, they said this baptism that saves you. And I thought, oh, what a confusing thing for all the people here. They sort of heard the gospel, and then they sort of heard this, this, this idea that, that if you get washed in the water, that you're cleansed of your sin. But that's not it. Yeah, you're cleansed because of Christ, and his blood is what does it for you. Uh, I can tell you how this played out for me. Um, I, was, I grew up Lutheran, and so I was baptized as a baby, and my mom, bless her heart, she really loved me. She said, I, I, she said, I did it again just in case. <laughs> so I baptized a couple times in the church and then at the house, I'm sure, whatever, I don't know. Um, and uh, so, But I grew up going to church, and that was good. And... When I got, and I would have said I was a Christian, but when I got to college, what I realized was I started reading the Bible. People started teaching me the Bible. And when I realized, I don't believe that Jesus had to pay for my sin. I believe I can pay for my own sin by the hard work that I'm doing to be better than other people. It was terrible. I'm just saying that was like in my mind. That's how I was living. And so I had to repent. And so I repent of my sin. I turned to Christ and I became a Christian. And that posed a difficult spot for me. Okay, so now... I was already baptized as a baby. Do I get baptized again? And uh, this is helpful because I don't think I was actually baptized as a baby. I had water sprinkled on me, but as we've been talking about, it's not the pattern we see in Scripture. The pattern is when someone believes and understands, they repent, they turn to God, then we have this symbol of what happened. So I was baptized for the first time with genuine faith when I was 18 years, uh, I was 19 years old at Drake University. Uh, it was an awesome time. A great celebration. Now, another question people might have is, <clears throat> uh, I was baptized as a believer. I had genuine faith, and I was baptized, but then I had some time of wandering, and I, I made some bad choices, and I got down this path, but I want to rededicate my life to Christ. Like, I really want to follow him now. Should I be baptized? Uh, and what I would say to that person is, if what happened first was a genuine baptism, 
then you can't. There's no such thing as being rebaptized. Like you've already been baptized. In fact, if you are baptized again, baptized again, what it does is it actually devalues the baptism the first time. Um, because you've already been put under, the old one gone. You've already come up. You're already looking forward. And I know there's a period of wandering. But if you do it again, it's like, as the old person gone a second time? Um, and so we don't, we don't want to rebaptize or if someone's rededicating their life to Christ. It's like, there's no such thing. There's one genuine baptism. Now, if that person said, I don't think I was actually a Christian, okay, yeah, like, then this is your first baptism, and that's wonderful, and let's do it, uh, which is similar to the place that I was in. Okay, how should, third question, how should a believer be baptized? How should a believer be baptized? Uh, believers uh, were baptized, the, the pattern we see is that believers were baptized by immersion, and that's what the word baptize even means. Baptizo means to immerse, uh, to dip, to dunk, to submerge, to make fully wet. And so the pattern in the New Testament, think about what you, what you, what you see. So you see um, John the Baptist. He's in, he's in uh, the river, and he's baptizing people. He says there's plenty of water to baptize. Or Jesus, it talks about him coming up out of the water. So, so he was he was in the water, coming out of the water, or Philip and the eunuch. He says, hey, look, there's all that water over there. Let's go. So they don't bring the water to, to the eunuch. They go down to the water. And so this is the pattern we see that people are immersed. And that makes sense because to have the right imagery, to have the, the right symbol, the old self is gone, the new self comes up. But I want to caveat that with it's only a symbol. So because it's not salvation, are there other ways? Yeah, like there could be a reason. For instance, uh, I know someone who... Uh, on their deathbed, came to faith in Christ. So they put their hope in Christ. They couldn't leave the bed. They're going to die in the hospital. They knew that. Uh, and so, I think like two days before they passed away, they came in, pastor, uh, sp- you know, sprinkled water on their head, and they got baptized. And it was a wonderful, uh, glorious thing. And I don't think the Bible would, I don't think God would say, that nah, doesn't count. Like that was, you just sprinkled, you should have gotten dunked, you know? Like, no, that's not it. Um, so there can be reasons. I just did, 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 this did make me think of a very funny story, though, that I just feel like I have to share. I don't know when else I get to share it. So <laughs> um, I was at Drake's. I, I went to Drake University here in Des Moines. That's where I came to faith in Christ. And there's a lot of students getting baptized at the time. And uh, the, this young woman probably should have heard this message first because uh, she went to get baptized. And at the time, we had this really silly tradition. It was stupid and awesome. Most traditions like that, this are. So when someone would get baptized, they'd go down, they'd go under, and they'd come back up. And then all the guys in the room from like this corner to that corner, this corner, they would put their hands up and they yell, it's good, it's good. Like, like they just made a field goal. You know, like, not wide left. It's good. It's, it's a, a real bat. So we were, and then we would celebrate and high five, and it was awesome. So, so we're doing that, and then this girl gets baptized, but apparently she'd got her hair did that day. So when she went down, she like stuck her head up so that she wouldn't get her hair messed up. And, uh, <laughs> and then it was really awkward because we're like, she didn't get immersed. Like she didn't actually go under. And then we all look at each other like, do we, do we like call it off? And then, <laughs> and then JC was like, he's like booth review. And then, and then Tim Rood walks up on the stage and he doesn't say a word. He was a pastor at Windsor Heights and he goes, she went back in and she got dunked again. <laughs> It was so funny and awesome. He wanted the picture. He wanted the full picture. Go all the way down, come all the way up. It was good. It was good. We got it. So why should you be baptized? Okay, so, so we know how we're baptized. Why should you be baptized? What should motivate you to be baptized? 
We've kind of already talked about the why in the beginning. But beyond that, we want to be obedient to Christ. All right? in, in all things, in every aspect of our life, we want to be obedient to Christ. That continues here. Uh, Matthew twenty nineteen. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus' direct command. And so it's important. Uh, we don't want to miss that. The Bible is impeccably clear. It's not suggested. suggested it's commanded. And so apart, um, apart from a clear understanding of the gospel, I think baptism can be viewed as a minimum threshold for a credible profession of faith. It's like this is, the, this is kind of a baseline understanding. You want to put it another way is that there's not a category in the Bible for Christians who don't get baptized. Like there's not this other group of people. You know, and, and this is, we see this in, in lots of aspects. Like if someone says, I'm a Christian, but like there's no fruit. Like they don't, you don't see the spirit coming out of them. You don't, they don't want to learn about God. They don't pray. They don't, um, they're not in fellowship. There's like, there's nothing happening. You'd be like, I don't know if they really get it. And I think it's similar with baptism. It's like, if someone's not been baptized, it's like, do they, do they really understand? It's the first thing that Jesus called people to. And there are Christians who are not baptized. So I'm not saying that it's like always immediate. And it has to be right away. They're trying to figure it out. But in general, as soon as possible, someone understands, they get baptized. We want to be obedient to Christ. Why else? Well, we want to declare our commitment to Jesus. So what's happening when people get baptized? There's the symbol, but in what? Uh, it's, it's declaring who we're being baptized into. So it's like I'm saying I'm, I'm part of this person. So Acts 2, 38, 41 says, Repent, Peter said to him, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. So they're baptized in what? In the name of Jesus Christ. So they're saying, I'm entering into it with this person. He is the one. He's the one who saved me. He's the one who redeemed me. It's in Christ's name. He's the one I'm committed to. So you're declaring that publicly. Um, you're flagging around. It's, it's similar to marriage. <clears throat> so when my wife and I got married, we exchanged vows. So back and forth, I promise this, I promise that. It's this, this wonderful, beautiful thing, but we're doing it in front of all of these people. And they're, they all know now, John and Jenny are married. And then part of that ceremony is we put the rings on each other's fingers. So you slip it on there. And this ring, it's a symbol of my marriage. So if I take my ring off, I don't cease to be married. I'm still married. And my wife, she takes it off. She doesn't uh, stop being married. She is still married. But the ring is something I proudly represents with me and my wife. And, and I think that we, we kind of get that because, you know, if you're married and your spouse never wanted to wear their ring, I think you'd be like, why don't, why don't you want to wear your ring? Like, no, we, I want to represent you to the world. And that's sort of what baptism is like. You're saying, I'm, I'm representing you to my friends, to my family, that you are the one I'm committed to. And it is not a little thing. It's very big and it's important. And we would feel this more if we were around at this point in history. So at the time of following Jesus, how would they have understood baptism? Like in, in their culture, would they have seen it like we see it? Well, up to that point, the only people who were baptized were, were the dirty Gentiles into Judaism. So they get baptized, these Gentile converts. It wasn't looked on all that positively. But now, even worse, is people who are Jews are being baptized into the rebel, the criminal, the crucified Jesus. And they're saying, this is my guy. Uh, I'm, I'm in him. I'm trusting in him. They would have seemed crazy, and it would have taken them out of Judaism. It would have severed family relationships, severed friendships, severed them from their community, and eventually they'd have been persecuted. 
Many of them would have been killed, were killed. So they would have seen baptism as, as much, just naturally because of the culture they were in, differently than we see it today. And so today we, we do want to elevate our view of baptism. We do want to see how important it is. You know, JC shared that he uh, was dunked when he was, I think, in middle school, middle school or early high school, uh, because other people were doing it. So that was his reason. Or Nate Shervine, he got baptized here a couple weeks ago, said he got dunked because uh, he wanted to impress a girl. <laughs> he wasn't a Christian at the time, so he had to get baptized the first time uh, here not just a couple weeks ago. And so there are incentives in our culture now to be baptized that are different that they wouldn't have experienced then. And so we want to have a good understanding that we do it for the right reasons. Because those reasons would not have happened in the early church. There would have been none of that. I think even as you think about like um, Christians in the Middle East, it's okay to learn about Jesus, the prophet, but if you say Jesus is the Lord, uh, you're going to get persecuted uh, in many countries. And so we, have this, we want to have a high view of baptism, which is why things like if someone wants to get baptized, we say, hey, come talk to JCRI, um, because we want to make sure you understand the gospel, and we want to make sure that you understand what baptism is. And so we have you write out your testimony so that you can put on paper and understand, and then we can talk about it. Uh, and it's not that we're God, we're saying you are a Christian or you're not a Christian. Uh, it's, we want to make sure you understand. Like, do you get the gospel, and do you get what baptism is? And with being shepherds, we need to apply God's uh, word with wisdom. So we're just saying, trying to say, hey, we're trying to, trying to, to navigate this. And so these are uh, what I believe are appropriate speed bumps to being baptized in the church. But these speed bumps are not to prevent people from being baptized. The hope is that every believer in Christ that's here would be baptized. That you'd come and you'd get dunked and we'd celebrate together with you. We're really excited about that and excited about all who have been baptized so far. So the key thought is that baptism, it's not necessary for salvation but it is necessary if we're going to be truly followers of Jesus because to follow Jesus means we choose to obey Jesus. There's another question I think that we should address at this point. This is not one of the main four, but do I have to share my testimony? Because what we've done traditionally, our tradition has been someone comes up and they say, hey, here's how Jesus has saved me. This is my life, and this is, this is how it's been transformed, which is a wonderful tradition, and we like that. We're going to keep doing that. Um, but... Some people are like, I don't want to have to share all that. But I do want to say that Jesus is my Savior. I do want to get baptized. Uh, and there's, there's, this is a little bit tricky because it's like, we should always be ready to give an answer for the hope we have in Christ, for sure. But the Bible doesn't tie that to baptism. Like you, they, don't, they don't have to be at the same time like I come up in front of the church and do that. So there is a way. Like I think we've done a poor job communicating as pastors. There is a way that people can be baptized uh, if they just come up and they affirm their faith. And downtown has done this before. Uh, we, we're t- totally open to it. If someone just doesn't want to share, if it doesn't feel comfortable, and this is what it looked like. They'd come up, and they would, <clears throat> we would ask them, John, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures? Yes. John, do you confess Jesus as Lord of your life and enter into baptism as a sign of the new life you've received from him? Yes. And we'd say, Hallelujah. And they'd get dunked, and it would be awesome. Uh, and so we can do that. So if you're like, I don't want to speak, but I do want to get baptized, you'll still need to affirm what you're getting baptized into, uh, but you don't have to give uh, a three- or four-minute talk um, about it. So let's take another redirection, though. Let's take a minute and address all of you kids who are here. So there's kids in service today, and I bet you're wondering, what does this all mean for me? So if you're a child, listen up. Um, We've been talking about the great value of baptism. 
And JC and I, we have this hope that if you're a child here, that someday you're going to have faith in Christ and you're going to be baptized. That this would be a step that you would want to take. And we pray all the time that we wouldn't lose a single soul in the church. Every kid would come up and understand their need for Christ. So we desire that highly. But we also want you to be thinking through, if you're, if you're like, I don't know, should I be baptized? We don't want you to get baptized because of this talk. <laughs> like, oh, they want me baptized, therefore I should. We want you to get baptized because you understand what you're doing. Jesus has done this for me, and he's actually saved me. He's actually transformed me. That these other motivations that are hard to get through, to hard to understand, that you work through them, like, do I want to get baptized because my friends are? Because my parents want me to? Because... Uh, Trainer talked about it during the sermon. Is it next notch? I'm like the next progression in faith. Uh, those are not reasons, or even just I'm afraid of hell. Those are not reasons to get baptized. We want you to get baptized when you really understand this, the gospel, and you understand what baptism is. So what do I mean by that? What is the gospel? What do you need to understand? Oh, well, the gospel means good news. So gospel means um, that whole picture I was talking about earlier so the first thing you have to understand about the gospel is that, is that who you are. So you are made in the image of God, but you've rebelled against God. So you are separate. So God is he's holy and righteous and perfect, but in your rebellion, you've separated yourself from God. It says in, in Romans 6, later in 23, it says the wages of sin are death. So like what you get paid for your sin is that you'd be spiritually dead, spiritually separate from God forever. And that'd be a very hopeless message, but you, I think you've all felt that. Like, if you made a mistake and, like, the pit drops in your stomach, and you're like, oh, I did that thing. That's sin. That might be sin against this, someone around you, but ultimately it's against God. And so you've sinned, you've been in rebellion to God, but the good news is that that verse doesn't end there, the wages of sin or death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How does that happen? Well, Jesus, he becomes our substitute. So, so when we should be punished forever, because of our sin, Jesus, who's over here, Jesus goes to the cross and he says, I'll take your punishment. So when you should get whatever punishment you deserve, he says, I'll take it in your place. And Jesus, who is righteous and perfect, who God would, could not send to hell, would not send to hell, uh, he says, you can take my place. So you are now righteous. And when God sees you, what does he see in you? If, you, if he's been substituted for you, he sees perfect Jesus. And then he takes the punishment. So what, what's happening on the cross, he's taking the punishment that we deserve uh, the fancy word is the substitutionary atonement. It doesn't matter. The point is that he trades places with you. And this is the good news. So how, do you res- how does someone get the good news? You probably heard that again and again and again as you apply faith. You say, I actually believe that. I actually trust that Jesus has done that for me. And I, I want him to be my Lord, my Savior. I want to follow him. And so when you believe that, when you feel, whether you're young or old, you're saved and you should be baptized. You should, you should move in that direction. Which leads to another question. You're here, maybe you're here and you're a parent. And you're like, uh, how do I know if my kid should be baptized? So uh, how do I navigate some of those waters? And this is tricky because as a church, we don't have an official position. It's not like, here's the rule book on baptism, uh, other than they're a professing Christian. Uh, so I think there has to be a lot of discernment, a lot of wisdom. So here's a couple of thoughts that I have had. So whether someone is, is young or they're old, they have to first make sure that they believe. Like, do they really understand the gospel, and can they communicate it? So they don't have to communicate it from stage, but they do have to be able to explain it to someone else. Uh, so the question would be, do they, do they know, and can they communicate the gospel, believing it has saved them? Do they know, and can they communicate the gospel, believing? It's not just, not just knowledge, but they also believe it saved them. And the only way that happens is if you talk with your kids. 
to your parent. You actually have to ask them and recognize that your kids are people. They're not just uh, subjects in your home that are learning how to do life. They're little image bearers of God uh, who you can talk to and ask. And so you want to be respectful of what God is doing in them. Second, if you're a parent, is have you seen any evidence of change in their life? Have you seen evidence of change? And this, is, I think, is the hardest because uh, if you're a kid growing up in the church, you're learning, that you're learning, one, your parents are probably teaching you God's morals. So like, what, what is being expected at home is also what's expected if you're a Christian. So you, you're learning these morals, and in church, you, you're learning to act a certain way even before you're a Christian. So you, you've already got this, these foundational things being established. And so the question is like, well, have you repented of your sin? Has God changed you? Uh, I don't know, I was already doing some of these things. And so this is where a lot of wisdom has to be applied. Yeah, we have to be, I think, patient to a degree, but also wise. Have we noticed a change? Do you, do you think your kids have has been some consistent change in them? Because when the Holy Spirit enters you, it will certainly change you. Whether it's your attitude, whether it's your actions, whether it's you want to spend time in the Word or in prayer, be around Christians, whatever it is. And so have you seen evidence of change in your kid's life? I would say that with this, it's really good to talk to your kids about baptism, but not keep bringing it up like, Hey, when you get baptized, let's, let's, it's, it's more, what is your understanding of baptism? Um, what are your thoughts about it right now? After they've already said, hey, I, I want to follow Jesus with, with my whole life. And I think there is some biblical pressing. You might be thinking like, well, I think they're a Christian, but I don't know. There is some reasons you can wait. I think it's not, you don't have to do it immediately. One example, this isn't um, prescriptive, but one example is I think Paul, he, he talked about how he would share the gospel and he only uh, baptized two people. And I bet there's lots of people as he preached that got saved, but he didn't go down right away and bring them to the water. And we don't know. Like maybe some other people did, that day, did it that day. That's possible, but like there's not a lot of clarity. So I think there is a re- you can say there's some reasons to wait, even to see as your kids get tested over a month or two months or some period of time where it's like, is this real? Does this seem genuine? Third good question we could ask is, uh, are they asking to be baptized? You can ask yourself. Do they really want to be baptized? Uh, I, I got this from another pastor who shared with his own kids that they'd hear a message like this, maybe they want to get baptized. Or a friend gets baptized, they want to get baptized. And they said, they just waited, and if they brought it up, they'd wait till they bring it up again the next day, and then the next day, or maybe the next week. And did they stay on it? Um, because when they stayed on it, they, they're starting to understand the importance and the value of it. I, I really like that perspective. Uh, I can get on board with that. But in any of these aspects, as we're parents and as we're pastoring, we want to be wise. We don't have a position as a church, but we want them to be Christians and to understand what baptism is. Okay, application. Uh, one, first application is we just want to hold a high view of baptism. As a church, see how important it is and be so excited about when it happens. So, so elevate it in your mind. This is sweet. Uh, the second is if you're here and you're a believer and you haven't been baptized or maybe you're baptized uh, as an infant um, or... Um, yeah, you're just not baptized as a genuine believer. The application is to be baptized. Come, talk to me, talk to JC. Uh, let's get the, the ball rolling on that. We'd be very excited about that. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I thank you for uh, your word. I thank you for your teaching. I thank you uh, that you give us things like these symbols to help us to understand our faith. Lord, I, I pray that we have more and more clarity as we read the scriptures about how they interact with our life now, Lord, I pray that we would proudly proclaim our hope in you, whether it's in baptism or just at the grocery store. Help us, help us be lights to the world. 
Lord, that we would be uh, a light on the hill. We, we want to cover our light. We want it shine bright for everyone around us. Um, so I thank you for these saints that are here today. I thank you for your word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.